0: And welcome to an extra surprise three legs, four wheel show. Just the two of us tonight. It's Paul here with Statman,
1: aka Sean Kelly. Or should that be the other way around? Sean, K.a. A.k.a. Sean Kelly, aka Statman, here in Montreal, Canada.
0: So, um, how's it been today? It's been hot.
1: Um, it's been, yeah, it's been glorious weather, which in a way is a bad thing because I think we all love the mad races that we get in Montreal when we get drop rain. Uh doesn't we'll like we're going to get any this weekend. Um, we went into it thinking that Ferrari were going to be. or for, This is going to be Ferrari's strongest track of the year. Uh, Mercedes is very pessimistic. When I spoke to James Vowles in the paddock yesterday. He seemed to think that Ferrari was worth eight tenths on Mercedes down the straights here. And anybody who knows the Montreal track knows that it's predominantly straights so and not a lot of uh, not a lot of quick corners. It's you know it's a few flicks here and there. Um, so when in fb one Mercedes dominated by nearly a second, everybody groaned. Uh, in fb 2 the balance has been redressed slightly. Ferrari just about quicker than Valtteri Bottas, barely a tenth quicker with Charles Leclerc leading Sebastian Vettel. Of course, that's offset by the fact that Lewis Hamilton crashed in FP2, broke the right rear corner, and despite the best efforts of the team, they were not able to repair the right rear in time to get him back out. So we don't know how much Mercedes' ultimate pace is hidden by that. Um, but certainly it's better it's better to go into Saturday with Ferrari quickest than it is to have Mercedes quickest by a second.
0: They're very true. Um, talking about the uh, talking about the Lewis crash, does it look like it's going to be uh, a gearbox change and a five-place rig penalty?
1: Uh, well, I wish I hadn't asked you that. But someone asked me that a minute ago, and I thought that uh, you didn't have to use a race gearbox until Saturday morning. So uh, it certainly was in the past that uh, you didn't have to change, you know, you changed the race gearbox for FB3. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not entirely certain. Can you tell me? Because without me looking up the regs, I need to... Just... <laughs> I would need to check the regulations myself. Uh,
0: I, I think I think you, of, you might be right. Actually, I think it's the um, I think the, the can use a separate yeah. gearbox on Fridays.
1: Yes, that's what I thought was the case. Unless the, unless the regulations have been changed, uh, and I, I confess I have not done my homework because I'm a little bit I'm a, I'm a little bit discombobulated after a certain side won the UEFA Champions League on Saturday. We won't mention it. We won't go into detail. I'm just saying <laughs> that they won it six times, and I went on stage last night. At Hurley's pub for the Marshalls' benefit, I was uh, given the big build-up. Oh, this is Statman. He knows everything about everyone. And the first impression they gave me, I was like, I have no idea. All level with you, I've got no idea. Basically, I've been thinking about football all week, and I haven't done any homework for this race.
0: Sorry. <laughs> kind of, um, kind of like all of us over here with a certain, uh, certain amount of motorbike racing going on. Yes, absolutely.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've seen a lot of people who have been uh, following the TT races. Uh, I've never been to the TT. Uh, I guess it's a bucket list. I need to check it off one day.
0: Well, there is an open invitation for you to join the three legs, four wheels team for the uh, for the race in I'd
1: love to do that. Maybe one year I'll do the I'll do the TT, and you'll be standing here in Montreal telling me what's going on in Canada.
0: That'll do. I'll take I'll take you up on that offer. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> Actually, just to give you some insight, and anybody who follows my Twitter at Virtual Statman, might have seen the the tweets I've sent out. Uh, today. I'm actually standing in the Formula One Experiences Champions Club, which is right hanging, almost hanging over the side of the Wall of Champions. We're so close to the Wall of Champions that we can almost reach out and touch the car through the bar- through the fence. Um, it's, it, we're astonishingly close. In fact, last year, when they had the Champions Club here, they had white tablecloths. This year they have black tablecloths. And the reason is because we're so close to the racetrack, the white tablecloths last year were uh, sullied by uh, tyre marbles that were spat off the cars and smeared the white tablecloths. So this year, yeah, that, I mean, that's how up close to the action I am right now, standing literally over the, the wall of the last chicane. So I saw the staff and tap the wall literally beneath me uh, during that session.
0: That is that is about as close to the action as you get over here.
1: <laughs> well, wow, yes, indeed. But, yeah, go doing, doing TT races. I mean, I think you're all nutters, to be honest. I don't I don't know what's wrong with you. You will need your heads examining.
0: Um. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you on that. <laughs> yeah. Um. So when, when Verstappen hit the wall, worst possible point on the circuit to do it, just after the just after the pit lane, obviously. Um. Is that going to be a serious repair job that's going to have to be done overnight on the car because he did crawl back to the pits? Quite badly.
1: No, I mean I think they'll be fine for tomorrow morning. It shouldn't be too. It shouldn't be too serious. Uh. You know. If, if the cars walking wounded generally is an indicator that they can get it fixed uh Mercedes were trying really hard to get Hamilton back out in that section and eventually they the defeat because they'd run out of time so it's not a um yeah it's not something they, they should be worried about it just it just impacted no pun intended their um the the their pace for for FP2 uh Gasly and Verstappen were what well, outside the top 10 um but it's not a true reflector of their of their pace, I don't think. Although it wasn't a good it wasn't a good day for the Honda cars because the Toro Rosso's is the two cars behind them as well.
0: Yeah, this um, this was a circuit that Honda were expecting to do good things on and show obviously their improvement over the last couple of seasons. And um, I mean, we, we were predicting on the podcast that Honda was going to be the third best engine of the weekend. That doesn't seem to be the case so far.
1: So far, no. But you know. We always caution: it is only Friday. We don't know the the true pace. You know, if we took if we took practice sessions as uh, a true barometer of pace, Ferrari would have won the world championship. You know, the last three years in a row, yeah. uh, particularly in FP3. So they could be very false indicators. So let, let's see what's going to happen tomorrow with that. It could be quite different. But certainly, the the fact that the Red Bulls were inconvenienced and Hamilton had an accident gave us a slightly mixed up order with Carlos Sainz in fourth place and Kevin Magnussen in fifth. Uh, so certainly, you know, you'd rather be up there than down there. Um, so a good day for McLaren and a good day for Haas.
0: Mm, definitely. Uh, we had a, I had a message actually about um, about 10 minutes before we started recording this from uh, Michael Incognito, who's at the circuit. He just want, wanted to check to see if you've noticed this as well. But the Ferraris appear to be making a whistling noise when they're running at full power. I, I don't know if you've heard that close up
1: uh i haven't noticed it any more than i've noticed the other cars um because you you can always hear the turbo whistling um you know particularly particularly on downshifting you, yeah um it's a bit like for those of you who have particularly long memories it's a bit like a 1980s commercial for red mountain instant coffee um is that too esoteric a reference i don't know we may have lost may have lost the international audience with that record um but I hadn't noticed that particularly. You don't really, and I am—I mean, I am literally next to the racetrack. You know, one more foot and I'd be on the track. And I—and I, and I can't—I can't tell without looking which car is going past. They all sound the same. Even the Hondas, which, of course, in the McLaren days, sounded like a bag of bolts being turned in a washing machine. Um, yeah, I mean, they all sound the
0: same. No, oh, that is—that um, that is reassuring to know. So, Michael, if you get a chance to listen to this, don't panic. The Ferraris sound like they are going to be safe. Um, yeah, I mean, well, he, may,
1: he may be right, he may be, he, may, he may be making a slightly different sound where he is, perhaps he's getting the, the what we call the tails away shot, you know, but if he's, if he's looking at the car as it's going away from him, maybe he's getting a different sound, I'm seeing the car coming towards me, and they all sound the same.
0: Ah, right, um, I'll have to check, it. I'll have to have a check, he sent a video, I'll, uh, I will look at that later. Um, FP1 this morning, Nicholas Latifi running in, uh, running in the Williams instead of Robert Kubica, what did you think to his performance? Well,
1: anytime a Friday driver comes in, um, you're not really looking for ultimate pace. Um, you know, it's more it's more a case of getting the seat time. And I don't think the uh, TP I don't think the would run this season. Am I right? I I, I don't recall that, But I'm checking my having my notes in front of me. Yeah, no, I that, think that, that, might, that is his
0: uh, that is his that is his first run at a race weekend. He's done some testing, but this is his first uh, Friday of practice.
1: Right. Uh, well, to finish two temps off of George Russell is a pretty strong effort, I would say. Um, uh, you know, we don't know what the program was. Certainly, Latifi was doing a lot of the early running. Uh, he was the only car on track that I recall early in FP1. Um, uh, yeah, good performance, I would say, uh, by the man who's uh, in in the ascendancy in Formula Two right now. Uh, currently leading the championship with three wins. Uh, he's been, you know, he's a long-time F2 driver, so he, he's, he's he's definitely pushing the, you know, pushing the ceiling there, trying to make the breakthrough. Uh, and it keeps pressure on Robert Kubica. Robert Kubica hasn't qualified George Russell at any race this season, and he hasn't beaten him in a race this season. So, yeah, pressure's on with Robert Kubica. As if such a thing were possible, that William, bear in mind that they are firmly the slowest team on the grid right now. Um, you know, Kubica doesn't need to do a lot to keep his seat, uh, but it's not, you know, it's not been happening for him. We're about to get the, uh, the thunder right now of the Formula Ford 1600s as they get led into the garages around here. They're being led... For those of you who know Montreal, you'll know the support race paddock is right the other end of the circuit. It's 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 far at the end of where the the end of the rowing uh, the rowing strip is, where the old pits were. Uh, so they had to be led all the way down to the uh, F1 paddock, uh, which is brand new for this year. You may have heard they, they spent 44 million Canadian dollars uh, putting up a brand new facility, and uh, it's a fantastic facility. It actually won a Royal Royal uh, Architectural Institute award uh, for in, in Royal Arche- Royal. Architect Institute of Canada Award, to be exact. Uh, so they've done a very good job
0: of it. Yeah, I did, I did see that they were. Um, I mean, they released the, the original plans of it last uh, last year, just after the race. And, um, like you said, with the TT, that's on your bucket list. This one's on ours for definite. Oh, uh, You've
1: never you've not been to Montreal,
0: now? Um, no, I've been I've been to Vancouver, but uh, never never anywhere else. Right. Well, anyway, if
1: you've never been to Montreal definitely come here for the f1 race it is one of the party races of the year um it is uh, the this is the, it's actually the uh, i think it's the the 20th anniversary this year of the crescent street uh f1 festival they close off crescent street which is on the major party streets in the center of montreal uh no no cars all week and they just put up loads and loads of f1 stuff in the street and it's just one big block party and they also do stuff at peel street as well the whole thing is just uh, it, it, it montreal just completely is it embraces the race in a way that uh, a few other cities do you know other cities you know you know the race is going on but montreal goes goes all out for the canadian grand prix every year uh so it is one of the it's one of the best races to attend and i actually uh i was with a friend of mine the other day who's who's been to melbourne but has not been to montreal and i I said this is he he asked me what's it what's the race weekend gonna be like i said it's like a grungier version of melbourne melbourne's very upscale and uh very um everything's new and shiny and everything Montreal's a little bit more lived in, a bit more blue collar, and a little bit more, you know, scruffy. Uh, but it's definitely got that living, breathing, organic feeling of a Grand Prix weekend, you know, with lots of fan involvement. So it's it's a great atmosphere here.
0: That, that sounds incredible. Right. That, that it is. is that yeah. is definitely on the list for uh, for as soon as possible. Yeah, it's fantastic. So, what else have you noticed at the circuit today and yesterday? I've barely had ch- a chance to talk to you because um, obviously we've been a little bit busy on this side.
1: Um, what have I noticed, particularly? Uh, well, I mean, it sounds like a dull response, but you know, it's the same old, same old. Really. I did a track walk yesterday just to establish if anything was new or interesting. and I just thought, no, oh, it's, it's all pretty much as we left it. Um, the, uh, you know, the, the sausage curve uh, painted in, in, in a, in a, paint, a colour of orange that's so luminous I like could actually see it from the aircraft when we were coming to land yesterday wow. or on Tuesday. Sorry, uh, it was it. You know, you can see the islands from up high but and then you can see these, these fluorescent orange lines. And you just think, wow, I wonder if they could see that from the International Space Station. They are so illuminous. Um, so, yeah, if a, we could run the race at night and the drivers would still know where the corners were. It's that, is that ridiculous. The other thing I noticed, and obviously I'm, I'm standing here looking at the last chicane right now, the runoff area from the last chicane is extremely dusty. Um, and it could be that we potentially could have any trouble with, uh, we could have trouble with drivers who run wide in the race and attempt to rejoin the track a little bit too aggressively because there's really no grip over there. It's so dusty. It looks like the Hungara ring used to look on Friday mornings. I um, saw in the Porsche Super Cup practice, one driver tried to rejoin the track a little bit enthusiastically and nearly, nearly went head on into the barrier. And he was driving straight towards when he realized there was no grip on the dusty surface. So yeah, it definitely, uh, approached with caution there. But aside from that, I mean, the major change I would say is the, uh, the new pit building, which, uh, you know, now, now they've got 5,000, uh, 5,000 members of the New jewellery club up from 1800, which is what they could fit in the old facility, which was built in 1988, the days of trust center, um, which was basically, you know, just a concrete outhouse. Um, so they, they, They've been waiting a long time to upgrade it and but the Canadian Grand Prix organizers were waiting to know that they had a long term future in Formula One. They didn't want us to put down forty four million Canadian dollars to build a facility and then find out that they were losing the race two years from there. But now that everything's built, we've got a long term deal lined up and uh, yeah, we'll be coming back here for many years to come.
0: No, that's um, that's good to hear because I mean it is a fantastic circuit. I think um, I think it's about ten more years they've signed up for, isn't it?
1: It's some absurd length of time, but I would say it's very well-deserved. The Circuit Gilles Villeneuve, this is its 40th time uh, hosting the Canadian Grand Prix, and it's now one of the senior members of the Formula One calendar. There's very few races that have held more races. Monza, Silverstone, Monaco, uh, Nürburgring, um, and uh, I've missed one else there. What's the other one I've missed? There was another race. I forgot which one it is. Uh, <coughs> um, spa? But fill in the gaps. Spa, yes. Thank you very much. See, you were listening. Um so yes, Circuit Geo Villeneuve comes after that and you don't think of it as being necessarily like one of the marquee circuits in F1 history, but it is exactly that now. It has so much history since we first started coming here before I was even born back in 1978 on a, on a quite a different circuit. Uh, it's, had, it's undergone quite a few uh, running changes since that first race in 1978 when the layout was rather slower. Um, over time they've, they've straightened out certain sections uh, you know, ease a lot of corners, and uh, they've tightened. They tightened up this little lash of king, which is what gave birth to what we know as the Wall of Champions here. So, uh, you know, it's evolved down the years, but it does have a significant place in the calendar. There's a lot of
0: history here. Definitely, definitely. And uh, of course, with calling it the Wall of Champions, and Max having a run-in with it today, maybe, uh maybe he's showing his true championship credentials.
1: Well, yes, I think you have to be a champion to, 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 to hit the wall first, though, don't For it to be. Someone asked me today, who's the last world champion to hit the wall? And I couldn't think of one after Schumacher uh, in the 1999 race. There was three of them. Schumacher, Villeneuve, and uh, and Damon Hill hit the wall in that race. Uh, I was struggling to think of another previous world champion who hit the wall since then. But uh, the name stuck. So, you know, that's what we call it now. Um, It used to be a much quicker fourth or fifth year flick uh, up until 1991. So, if you went into the wall of champions before that, you would have had a much bigger accident.
0: Oh god, yeah, that does uh, that, that does sound a bit harsh.
1: Yeah, well, there would have been a pretty spectacular, you know, uh, cojones corner, mm. uh, especially in a, in a modern-day F1 car, which just corners at the most ridiculous speeds. Um, it's it's you know, it really is staggering uh, how quickly they're getting around the racetrack these days. Um, but it, yes, it, as I said, it is mm. it, it is one of the great. It's one of the great mad races, I think. It, it's it, notwithstanding the last two years, which have been fairly predictable events. You know, the drivers had start to finish pretty much. Um, we do have a lot of uh, anomalous races here in Formula One history. On two previous occasions, we've had Grand Prix settled by a pass on the last lap here in 1991 and in 2011. Uh, bonus points to them if you know uh, the two drivers who won those races. Um, so we are, you know, we are akin to seeing. Uh, some unusual results. Daniel Ricciardo won his first Grand Prix here in 2014, only leading the last three laps of the race. And he'd never led a Grand Prix before in his career before then. So, you know, we could do we could use a result like that this weekend. It's certainly, you know, uh, all credit to Mercedes for dominating in the way that they have. But it's not good for the sport when you can go into a weekend and even, you know, the most unseasoned observer can, can guess to reasonable accuracy who's likely to win.
0: That is, that is the complaint that has been bandied about quite a lot this season. Um, you see it a lot all over social media. I'm not watching because I know what's going to happen. Yes, yeah.
1: And, and and in a way, I mean, I don't really blame them. You know, I, I often tell the story of the last race that I didn't bother watching at all. And it was the sixth race in 1992 because Nigel Manson won the first five races. And Nigel Manson was my favorite driver. You would think I would be happy. But instead it was a turn off because I just knew well Mantle's just gonna drive off into the sunset and no one's gonna get close to him at the end. You know, it's just not it's not a spectator event anymore. We know he's gonna win. Now the race the sit race that year was Monaco and I just decided, well, the hell with this, I'm not watching this because Mantle's gonna dominate it, it's not gonna be a big deal. And then of course we had the, the famous uh center mantle battle at the end, the final seven laps of that race in nineteen ninety two, after Mantle had the late pit stop. Um that taught me a lesson, you know. <laughs> there is a reason we won the races and sometimes you get a very unusual result so let's hope we get that again on Sunday
0: <laughs> and you've not missed one since <laughs> I have not missed one since absolutely I wish to
1: tune in rain or shine
0: <laughs> that is dedication to the cause well I can tell there's, um, there's a lot going on there Sean so I will let you go back um, if you get a chance to speak to any of our listeners at the circuit this weekend I know, I know there's quite a lot there so uh, if you get some random people coming up to you chances are it's down to us all right. Well, um.
1: tell them, even if they don't know who I am, find me at Virtual Man and accost me via the interweb and tell me that you've got either three legs or you've got four wheels or both. <laughs> uh, and if any of them are part of the F1 experiences, uh, clientele this uh, this weekend. I am actually entertaining the guests lie in the pit lane tonight uh, as I wow them with my apparently apparently amazing statistical prowess even though I, I really can't remember anything that I've written ever since ever since the Champions League final I've forgotten the whole thing but so I'm going to have to sit down and do a bit of studying so I can remember what it is the hell that I wrote
0: I will let you go and spot up then thanks very much for joining us at really short notice Sean that's been great no worries always a pleasure talk to you soon Bye-bye. bye
1: bye bye